morning. Really glad you're here this morning. We are in a message series that we've called Minor Prophets Major Mission. And what we're doing is we are uh, pulling lessons out of a collection of books in the Bible called the Minor Prophets. They're referred to as the Minor Prophets not because they're not that important or less important than the major prophets, but because of the length of the books and the, the, the more narrow focus of their audience is why they're referred to as the minor prophets. But we've been looking at what they communicate about God's mission for our lives. And we have, in the process, we're identifying things that sidetrack us, that take us away from that mission and our most important efforts to do God's will, what he's laid on our plate to do. Uh, Here's a quick series overview. The first week, we walked through the book of Jonah. Shorter book, God sends his people into the world to show his love. That's what's going on in Jonah. Jonah doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He hates the Ninevites. And God tells him, you need to go deliver your message to them. So what we pull pull out of that is God wants us, his people, to show love and kindness even if we don't like the people around us, even if we despise them. Uh, God shows love to the world today through the kind, loving action of his people. The second week we looked at Habakkuk. I like that name, Habakkuk. These are not normal names necessarily. Jonah, more normal. Uh, I know some Jonas. Habakkuk, maybe not. I've I've never heard of an American naming their son Habakkuk, but I guess it could happen. Um, Anyway, we looked at how crucial outcomes develop over long time frames. While we wait for these outcomes to develop, we're waiting. We have have to decide how we're going to handle the waiting when we're not seeing the results that we want to see. Ah, thank you, sir. This will really help. I have a place to put my notes. Um, anyway, um, while we're waiting for the outcomes to develop, all the important stuff, family life as you're raising kids, that takes, takes a long time. And work projects, um, building a career, those, those are long time coming outcomes. And we have to stay faithful in, in the moment and rejoice in God even when things aren't coming together yet. That's what we got from Habakkuk. The third week, Malachi, we saw God's reputation is more important than our reward for Christ followers. And so as we live our life, a Christ follower's number one concern as they're handling situation by situation is... How is my, are my words, my actions going to reflect on God's reputation as I handle this? Because those around you know that you follow the Lord. And we, so we bear his name and we, we reflect our actions and words reflect on him. Last week we saw in Haggai how mixed priorities are a source of real trouble for us. Uh, he, he pointed out the error of living a self-centered life, focused on our own work and stuff, while we ignore God's mission. And so 
The blessing comes as we unmix our priorities and put God at the top and his kingdom and his work and what he's doing. Today we're going to dig into the lessons from Hosea. Now, if this if if the lessons, if the story in this book of Hosea's life were put into a movie, probably R-rated. And as you read into the scripture, uh it's, it's at least a, a PG-13 kind of reading. But it is the most graphic picture of the love of God that we find in the, in the prophets. It's a very graphic picture. In fact, I have no pictures to share with you today. Usually I, I smatter pictures in, in the presentation up there. But there are none because the story is so graphic itself. And it really communicates a lot about... Uh, God's love to us. Out of obedience to God, Hosea does what I'm sure none of us would want to do in this room. And his actions have a major cringe factor to it, just a, a really, really major. Hosea is one of the two longest minor prophets. There are 14 chapters. It takes a little longer to get through. The major sin pattern that he addresses is... The tendency to forget God's love and kindness to us. That, that's it. And that, that forgetfulness causes all kinds of problems. The lack of t- gratitude is, is a problem for us. It's easy to forget kindness from God or, or anyone. When I was seven, and even starting into this recollection of my six- or seven-year-old self, I'm cringing inside. Um, but when I was seven, we had a school fundraiser. I hated those things. I'm not a salesman. I just really... But somehow I got motivated enough to go door-to-door, and after being turned down a few times, uh, I'm not a great salesman. I, out of duty, went to a friend's house and asked his mom if she would like to buy something. And she was very kind. Not only did she buy something, but she was very kind in the way she treated me. And I'm pretty sure Henry had stuff to sell as well, but she went ahead and bought, bought something from me. And I don't know what got into me, but I went home, gathered some random items, put them in my wagon, went back to her house, and asked her if she would like to buy any of them. Oh, <laughs> that that really hurts to tell you that because even though it's excusable as their six and seven year old, it was still me. <laughs> yes, I did that. The only thing I remember, I don't remember anything else, but I could tell she was offended <laughs> because I had taken her kindness for granted and I tried to take advantage of it by using it for personal gain. That's just wrong. That was something I needed to figure out. We, we can do this to God every day. We forget his kindness. He's given us life. He wants us to enjoy our lives. There's a passage in Scripture that says he's given us all things to enjoy. And we forget that. If you've decided to give your life to Christ, not only has he given you life and breath and everything to enjoy, But he's paid 
for your sin by dying on a cross for you. Easy as we deal with the day in, day out aspects of life, what's going on in our life, situation by situation, it's easy to forget that. So, the theme of Hosea is despite our poor memory, God never abandons the pursuit of his people. Never. He never does. God loves us so much that he cuts through our ingratitude and does what is necessary to make a way for us to know him. This is what you find in Hosea. Hosea tells the story of God's love for us in a unique way. His life becomes the parable of the truth about God's love. It's, it's the parable of the reality of God's love for us. His message is that people are never beyond the reach of God's love. And we are never too dirty in sin for God to forgive. It's an amazing thing that, that Hosea had to do. And it's, it's, it's an amazing picture of the love of God. So in Hosea, we see that two, there are two ways that God pursues people. First of all, through persistent, steadfast love. Now, here's the cringe factor early in the book, verse 2 and 3. I mean, there's an introduction, and then in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1, here's the parable. Here's Hosea's story. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Deblame, and she conceived and bore him a son. Now, I, I personally would not want to do that. I would not want to go to the red light district of any town or whatever, to some street corner, pick up a woman and marry her, and then have children with her. Just not at the top of my list of women I would choose to marry. That is a major... Wow, I am having some some real trouble here. Um, okay, I'm going to need those eventually. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, um, as, as, as I think about what he was told to do, I mean, yuck doesn't, doesn't really communicate strongly enough how that, that makes you feel. Maybe, you know, that, that, is, that is an ugly assignment. But Hosea has three children with Gomer. And she continues to be unfaithful throughout the whole marriage. And he names the children and the names of the kids are a commentary on Israel's sin. And so, in, in naming the kids, he's, 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 giving not, he's giving a commentary and actually showing God's response to the unfaithfulness of Israel. So, here's the names of his kids and the meaning behind their names. 
um, Jezreel is uh, what, what it is. It's it's a place where Jehu, a king of Israel, slaughtered slaughtered seventy rivals, and he was an incredibly violent man. Took the throne by force, or actually took out the threats to his throne, and. The king was setting the pace, but violence and treachery, were, they were running rampant in Israel at the time. And so Jezreel reflects, they would all know this. You know, the people he's writing to, they would know Jezreel. Oh, oh, he's talking about Jehu. He slaughtered people. He's, he's coming against the violence that's going on. No mercy was another name. Mercy is a common name. I've heard that a few times. Um, but what God was saying here through Hosea is, if you persist in rebellion, God will refuse to show mercy, which is not giving the punishment deserved. So there's a point at which God refuses to show mercy to his people so that they reap what they are sowing. He goes ahead and lets you reap what you sow so that you'll turn back to him. That's his goal. And then another one was, not my people. If you rebel against God, he will let you go your way. He'll let you just keep on going. He is not going to force you to do his will, to be one of his people. And so God is making a point in the name of Hosea's last two kids. Being one of my people is not automatic. You're, You're not born into God's family. We have to choose that. And God's responding to our choices as we choose whether or not to love and obey him back. So at the very beginning of Hosea's story, you see the heart of God. Because Hosea takes a wife of whoredom, which represents Israel's unfaithfulness. It represents our unfaithfulness. And it shows that God never abandons pursuit of his people and this unfolds throughout the rest of the book this is the message it's God's kindness that leads us back to him that that's what you see in the story of Hosea as we walk through the passages that I'm about to walk through showing the kindness of God and his pursuit of his people um, keep something in mind if, if you've decided to follow Christ, these promises are yours. They, they describe how God has brought you into a relationship with himself. And if you've come to know him, you've, you've experienced what he's talking about. And if you haven't yet decided to follow Christ, this is a picture of... Of, it's, it's a graphic picture. It's a beautiful picture of what God wants to do in your life as you turn to him and decide to follow him. So remember this. Now, the imagery is used uh, that it, it's actually Hosea's life is the imagery that's used here. It's the parable. And what you see here is a man continues to pursue an unfaithful wife. And it's a tender and beautiful love song from God to his people. You see this in Hosea 2.14. Therefore, behold, and he's, he's speaking about 
he, he's just talked about the discipline, some punishment, some judgment that he's going to bring on the people through the names of the kids. And that was in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he begins to talk about the future, what his plans are for his people. And he says, Therefore, behold, I will allure her, her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. The Hebrew in this passage literally means that God wants us to, to pull aside so he can speak into our heart softly. And this is how he allures us into a relationship with him. If you know Christ, if, if God wooed you to him, he, he doesn't scream and shout, but he speaks softly in your heart of hearts. He, he, if you've been drawn to the Lord, it's because his spirit is speaking to your heart. Here's a promise for those who respond to God. Verse 15 of chapter 2. And there I will give her her vineyards and make the valley of Accor a door of hope. And there she will answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. Now, the valley of Accor would also be a memory for the people of Israel. It was the site of, after, after God brought the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, they won a, an amazing battle at Jericho. Right after that battle at Jericho, the very first sin was committed. The very first act of disobedience was committed by one of the men and it brought it brought problems trouble on the whole group of folks on the whole nation the whole nation of people that were there and so when he says here in this passage i will make the valley of acor a door a door of hope it, something clicks and what he's saying is this when the memory of our sin comes up, this is something they remember because Achan did a, a, a despicable thing in, in this valley. When the memory of their sin comes up, he will turn it into a door of hope. This is what he's communicating to the people. And, and this is what it is for us. So there, he's saying in, in the future, you have this in your past. It's a major cringe moment for you, like my, my trying to sell that stuff to, to my friend's mom. Major cringe moment for the whole, it brought disgrace on the whole country. I'm going to turn that moment in your life into a doorway into hope. And this is what God does in Jesus Christ. Because our memories of the, the things that we're ashamed of, they can become a doorway into the hope of Jesus Christ. Because it's those very things, if we deal with them, if we are honest about them, and if we handle them before God in an honest way, then He will, he will change. The passage in the New Testament is, 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Confession means to say it with, to agree with God about our sin. So what he's saying here, there's going to come a day, and we're living in that day. This is the day he's talking about after Jesus Christ came. There's going to come a day when the very memory of your sin is going to be a doorway into hope. So as the memories come up, the very first time you come to Christ, we confess, God, I, I've been wrong. I, I've been, it, I have been ignoring you. I have been living my own way. I've been living life independent of you. And there are all kinds of wrongs in my past. The moment you confess and ask Jesus into your life, he erases it all. That's the doorway of hope. The, the shame, the guilt, that's the doorway. Because as you turn to him and you give your life to him, it's all cleaned up. There's hope. There's forgiveness. There's, there's power now to live life God's way. And in my experience, what happens is those memories keep coming up. They keep welling up in me. Every time you have a memory of a cringe moment in your life, that can be a doorway into hope. We have an enemy who wants to use it to condemn us. He wants to use those memories to just pound us and get us to wallow on the ground in shame. But we can actually use those memories as they come up and turn the corner to thank God. God, I I confess that. You've forgiven me. Thank you, God, for what you've done. There is a tremendous amount of hope in knowing Jesus Christ. The valley of Accor becomes a door of hope as we learn to trust God for forgiving us and as we don't give in to the condemnation. There is the, Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Now, the enemy wants to stir it up in us, in our minds, in our hearts. He wants to just drill us with condemnation. <laughs> Look, remember all that? Remember all that? When, when, just resist it. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I've confessed. I'm forgiven. Thank you, God. For the hope that you give in Jesus Christ. So that's what he's talking about here. That's a vivid picture that the Israelites experienced. The third promise God makes is astonishing. He says in 2, 19-23, And I will betroth you to me forever. And I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord, I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth, and the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, the oil, and they shall answer Jezreel, and I will sow her for myself in the land, and I will have mercy on no mercy." 
And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And they and he shall say, you are my God. This is an amazing picture here <laughs> of what God does in our lives. We're, we're living this. This is the time he was referring to. The prophets, they, they look forward to the time of Christ, his birth. They foretold, There are all kinds of prophecies about Jesus, who we would be, but there are, are many prophecies that paint the picture of life after knowing Jesus Christ. And this is one of them. And what God is saying is, if you come back home, I'll go back to the days of our engagement. Betrothal was, was a little more serious than engagement. It was, it was more like marriage, but it was the time before you were married. He, he's saying, I will go back to that time. I will go back to the days of our engagement. We'll start over. It will be a do-over. And things will be amazing between us. Just like your unfaithfulness never happened. There, there doesn't need to be any cringe factor when we turn to relate to God. Oh, is he gonna, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? Turning to him, confessing your sin will be a door of hope for you. And he will give you the opportunity to start all over again. This is the promise of God. This is what we experience. We can know him. We can relax in his kindness. He shows mercy and doesn't give us the punishment that we deserve. That's what the definition of mercy is. Grace is you receive something you didn't earn. Mercy is he, he holds back the punishment you deserve. So we experience mercy. That's the, the first way. Persistent, steadfast love is a way that God pursues us. The second way God pursues is through kind discipline. Hosea 2, 6 through 7 says, Therefore I will hedge her up, or hedge up her way with thorns, and I will build a wall against her so that she cannot find her paths. She shall pursue her lovers, but not overtake them. And she shall seek them, but shall not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. For it was better for me then than now. When, when God disciplines his kids, this is always his goal. His goal is always to turn their heart back toward himself. This is the backdrop of the entire book of Hosea. Unfaithful people, unfaithful wife, husband pursuing. The goal is to bring them back into a relationship with him. When pursuing a selfish path and rebellion against God, it's a prickly path. That's what this passage says. It is more painful and more difficult than it needs to be. And you might get the thing you want, but you don't get satisfaction in it. That's the picture painted here. God is pursuing us through the prickly path, through the pain, through the lack of satisfaction. He's pursuing us and he's speaking, not shouting, but softly speaking into our hearts, trying to draw us into a relationship with him so that he can open up the doorway to hope. That's, that's what God's trying to do. And, and he never abandons pursuit of our heart and soul. 
Hosea goes on to pinpoint a major obstacle in remaining faithful to God, and it's overlooking God's kindness. It makes us forget Him. Hosea weaves reminders of God's kindness that He's shown to Israel throughout the book, and I, I don't have time majoring on the first three chapters of Hosea because I don't really have time to to go through all of them. I'm going to run through some things that you can look at yourself uh, if if you want to on, as you get home. But he he weaves reminders of God's work in Israel's existence as a nation. Ways that God's shown kindness to them. And one of the most epic acts in history was leading the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. And so, you know, several epic movies have been made about this miraculous event um, because it was miraculous. It was amazing. Um, Hosea 11.4 reminds them of that moment in their history. I, I led them with cords of kindness, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them, and I fed them. Now, here's, here's what he's saying. He, God eases the yoke of their jaws. He brought them out of slavery. They, they were enslaved. He bent down and fed them. He miraculously fed the people in the wilderness, two, two to three million people. This is a picture of what God does for us in Christ. He breaks the chains of slavery to sin. And he gives us the nourishment we need to continue in our walk with him. And all through the book of Hosea, there are these little post-it note reminders of God's faithfulness to them. Like he'll, he'll, he'll talk about the coming judgment, the discipline that's coming, and then he'll post a reminder. So that the people are are remembering what God has done. As you read the warnings of judgment to come, there's a post-it note of God's kindness. Hoping that they'll turn back to God. Because it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. But as he posts the notes to remind, Hosea walks through many ways we forget God. One of those ways is by worshiping other gods. Now, we may or may not worship idols, but idolatry revolves around making anything more important than God. Money, work, family, ministry. We, we don't have to pray to idols to commit adultery. We, we just make anything more important than God. Another way we forget God is we ignore His, His laws. We, we mistake, we can mistake the kindness of God for license to keep doing life the way we have been doing it. After all, hey, I'm getting away with it. I'm just going to keep going this way. So we ignore God's laws, what he wants, his ways, and we just do life the way we want to. Another way we forget God is we rely on powerful people for help, not God. When in trouble, the first things Christ followers do is turn to God to help. And if we don't, if we look to someone else for help, if we look to our own strength for help, you're forgetting God. This is the way that we forget Him. Duty without heart. It's another way we forget God. We just, we just, we do religious stuff, but our heart's not in it. 
You know, we're just doing it because we know or we think we're supposed to do it. Uh, another way we forget God is when we prosper, there's not gratitude. So we prosper without gratitude. God blesses, but we don't thank him for the blessings. And then another way is empty words and promises. We, we don't thank God. We forget that God's involved in what's going on in our everyday lives. And he's, he's responding to how we handle our lives. So we make promises and we figure, oh, well, it doesn't matter if I keep them. So our integrity is shot. It goes out the window. We don't do what we promise because we think we're going to get away with it. It's all right. Trusting in our own way and strength is the final way that we forget God. We don't think about God or the help he wants to give us. We just live in our own strength. This all adds up to a warning for us. We must not forgive, forget God and his kindness to us. If we do, there's trouble. That's what God's saying. God's kindness is intended to lead us to repentance. There's a passage in Romans 2. Uh, Romans 2, 4 says, Do you not know? And it's talking about judgment. You suppose, O oh man, that you would judge those who... Uh, when you judge those who do the same things you do, that you will escape the judgment of God. We, you know, you're looking down on people. You're doing the same things they are. Do you not know that, or, or do you presume upon the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and patience? Do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? We forget that. God's kindness is intended to get our attention. So that we turn to him and we live for him. This is what he intends. Now, I make U-turns daily. That's what it means to repent. <laughs> it's, it's just do a 180, do a U-turn, a sharp U-turn. Go from, turn from going your own way to go God's way. I make those daily. And, and often it's, it's the kindness of God that, that draws me into that. That's his intent. The picture Hosea paints should motivate Christ's followers to love others and adopt God's mission as our own. That, that's the intent. We've experienced the love of God in Christ, if you have, and it's God's love that fuels our mission. Hosea gives one final picture in Hosea 3 of what God has done for us. And the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. That was involved in worship of the Baals. So I bought her 15 shekels of silver. I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and a homer and uh, a, a lethek of, of barley. God would not give up on Israel. At the beginning of chapter 3, Gomer is gone again. God tells Hosea, do whatever it takes, whatever it costs, bring her back home. He sends Hosea to bring her back because God refuses to abandon pursuit. When Hosea goes to get her, she's been sold to another man. 
Hosea buys her back for the common price of a slave, a female slave in this day. That's, that's what that, that list there is. Fifteen shekels of silver and omer and latek of, of barley. So he buys her back. This is what God's done for us in Jesus Christ. It's a picture of what he's done for us. He's paid the high price and took the punishment of himself for on himself for our sin. He's bought us back from slavery to sin. This is the picture here. This is the fuel for our mission as people who follow him. The Bible contains an epic story of the love of God. God created us. He gave us everything we need to live in paradise, custom made for our enjoyment. This wasn't enough for the first man. They rebelled against God. They wanted more. They rebelled against his rightful rule. And we ratify their decision by refusing his rule over our own lives. From the instant of the first rebellion, God put a plan in place to pay for our sin. He would take the punishment on himself. He is a just God. He cannot let sin go unpunished. So what he does is, in the person of Jesus Christ, he steps into the world. He takes the punishment on himself to buy us back from slavery to sin. Jesus was the clearest display of God's love for the world. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us uh, in this, in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even while we're running away from God, he pursues us in Jesus Christ, and he dies for us on the cross. God's love is the fuel for Jesus' stated mission in Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The history of the world since man's rebellion is a story of God's pursuit of people lost to him by that rebellion. This is why Jesus came to earth. When we decide to follow Christ, Jesus' mission becomes our mission. We play a role in God's epic story. Your life, your day-to-day life, is a part of a larger story that God is working out. If you've decided to follow Christ, you take the initiative to connect with those who don't yet follow Christ and aim to show God's love to them. We pursue them like God pursues us. This is our mission. We invite people around us to church so they have the opportunity to get to know Christ. We interpret the message of Christ to others with our lives and with our words. We intentionally show them God's love. And we include others in our lives and in the life of Church in the Valley because God loves the people he made. And this is our mission. And Hosea shows us God is relentless in his pursuit of the people that he's made. And he wants us to come to know him. The most loving thing we can do for family and friends is invite them to explore what it means to follow Christ. To put it in the context of Hosea, he wants to make the valley of Accor a door of hope for them. He wants to bring them to himself. He opens the door of hope by covering our most shameful acts. They cause us to cringe. They, they, they haunt us at times. He forgives them 
and he gives us a completely new identity. Those who had received no mercy, those who were not a people, became the people of God. And he gives us the power to erase, to deal with the memories. And erase from our memory those things that we've done in the past. Because he has covered them with his death on the cross. Because God loved us first, we can serve his mission in the world from the heart. If we remember what he's done for us and don't let it be erased from our memory at any moment. As I wrap the message up this morning, I'd like to invite you to consider some next steps as the band comes up to lead us. Um, Here are some next steps I'm suggesting to you. Um, First one is, for the first time, I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior and commit my life to him as Lord or boss. Maybe you've never turned and given your life to Christ as Lord or boss. And as I've spoken, you've and you've been considering, you're ready to do that. Let us know. We would love to encourage you in that and send you some material that would help with it. Another step would be to respond to God's pursuit of me and the people around me by showing love to, maybe there's someone that you've had a hard time loving lately or someone comes to mind that you you want to show kindness to. That God's moving your heart to show kindness to. Is there someone particularly unlovable in your life right now? God wants you to be persistent in your love toward them. And then another step would be to invite a friend or family member to CIV's 30th anniversary service. You're going to find out a lot about us, new, new folks. If they come, they're going to find out a lot about who we are, what's at our heart, and what we're going to head toward in the future. So you can invite them to the 30th or to a message series coming up called Unfazed, where we're going to look at how to hold on to confidence in in a world of, of trouble. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness to us, your kindness, Lord. And thank you for the picture in Hosea of your relentless pursuit and love for us. I just ask for your help and strength to step out and follow you in the ways that you've laid on our heart today. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.